Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. We're doing something a little different with this story. We're offering it in two parts. This episode features part two of the mystery short story, Harvey and the Redhead by Deborah H. Goldstein. It's read by local actors, Sean Hopper and Ariel Lynn. Part one went up last week, so be sure to listen to part one first. This story was published in the anthology, The Eyes of Texas, Private Eyes from the Panhandle to the Piney Woods, edited by Michael Bracken and published by Down and Out Books in 2019. If you would like to help support this podcast, listen for details in the closing of this episode on how to become a patron and get some fun perks. My family tries to be honest in all our business dealings, but my grandfather made a few deals for me. Grandfather were about him building his business and giving back to the city through anonymous donations. There was scuttlebutt about an insurance settlement the old man received after some of his art was stolen, but I couldn't recall anything that painted him or the Twist family in a bad light. Far from it. How much do you know about the Meyerland area? Not much. When I moved to Houston last year, I was told it was a desirable location because of lots of ethnic diversity, good schools, and nice green areas. Did your realtor mention flooding from the Bray's Bayou? In passing. Her spiel stressed Meyerland's community atmosphere and parks. During the past few days, while lying on my cot, I'd pondered suing my realtor for her minimal disclosure that Bray's Bayou, which now has flooded three times in three years, is a swampy waterway coursing through the city, carrying runoff to the Gulf of Mexico. When I mentioned it to the FEMA adjuster, he scoffed at my idea. Seems I didn't read the fine print of my house closing documents. I'd splashed my John Hancock across papers specifically divulging I was buying in a designated flood zone that previously flooded. I even initialed both the recommendation and my declination of flood insurance. That put the monkey of not taking out insurance squarely on my back. Olive nodded. Your realtor was right about Meyerland being diverse and a good place to live. It's what persuaded Daniel and me to buy what I thought was going to be our forever home there. She snorted like a hog. I did a double take. It didn't fit my ladylike image of her. Because Meyerland has a reputation as a Jewish hub, but also as being tolerant of all immigrants and faiths. I thought it would be diverse enough for us to create a home that embraced art, friends, and our love. Turned out, like the Braze Bayou, Daniel tended to wander. She was wandering now, 
So I prodded her back to telling me her grandfather's story. Sorry. As I'm sure you've heard on the news this week, Houston doesn't have zoning codes, so builders neglected to incorporate flood protection provisions. Over the years, Myland flooded, but not wide-scale enough to spur demand in response to the bayou overflowing until 2001. Uh, 2001? Did I miss something between then and 2017? Not really. In 2001, Tropical Storm Allison caused major Meyerland flooding. Five spec houses my grandfather built and sold to families on a street near the bayou flooded. These people could barely scrape together their down payments, and they certainly didn't have flood insurance. They lost everything. One tried to sue my grandfather, but lost. The destruction was from an act of God, not shoddy workmanship. That outcome makes sense. It did, but my grandfather still felt terrible. He convinced each of those families his ranch-style homes were better buys than those in a subdivision just beyond Meyerland. They trusted him, and in some perverse way, he thought his inattention to the bayou was a breach of that trust. Even though he'd been sued and won, he found a way to raise enough money that through a third party he bought back all five houses at a fair price so those families could start over. And then he built new houses? No. My grandfather believed what goes around comes around. He bulldozed those five houses, made the area into a park, and donated it to the city. The park in the painting? Yes. It was dedicated after his death. Dad and Uncle Jack were running the company by then. Now I understand the sentimental value, but... Why didn't you report your painting when you originally missed it? She drained her drink and took a moment to swallow the olives. I waved to the waiter to bring us another round. Something didn't feel right, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Olive flashed a smile at the waiter when he put her new drink, complete with two olives, in front of her. She twirled the toothpick, stabbing the olives in the air. If everyone got things right, like this martini, think how perfect life would be. She bit the olives from the toothpick and savored them. Because I assumed Daniel had it. You see, when we divorced, I gave him the house and whatever was in it, except for certain personal things, which were to include that painting. Professional movers took my personal items to a storage unit while my mother and I went to Europe for eight months. The painting wasn't moved? Apparently not. I drummed my fingers on the bar. Olive stared at my hand until I stopped, mid-beat. Didn't you realize it was missing when you got back from Europe? No, until the day before Harvey. I never opened the storage unit. She shrugged. By the time we returned from our trip... There wasn't anything in there I needed. Now it was her turn to move into my personal space. I'm not one of those women in the stories you like to read. When I came back to the States, I consciously became an involved citizen and businesswoman living in the present. Daniel was my past. I let out a low whistle. This edgier side of Olive could be fun. And I gather part of what Daniel offered when he showed up at your office was to paint your history for all to see? That's right. 
either underwrite his art or he'd see to it that my family's secrets were displayed in an article interweaving art and events in Meyerland. Daniel's threats were veiled, but clear enough for me to understand. After he left, I confirmed my worst suspicions by going to the storage unit. If it hadn't been for Harvey, I would have tried to buy the painting back. By paying blackmail? She pressed her lips together in a tight line before relaxing enough to answer me. A fair price, yes. Blackmail? Never. Murder? Daniel was a skunk, but he was the kind of person who rose above the muck. He used his boat to save people while the storm raged, but he wouldn't have wanted his paintings wet. That's why he waited for a lull to retrieve them. If it wasn't rainy or windy, how could he have been hit by falling or flying debris? She clenched her right hand into a fist and then slowly released it. Someone had to hit him. Positive it wasn't your Uncle Jack, Olive grimaced. Uncle Jack fixes things. At this stage in his life, he doesn't create bigger messes. And you? She reached over and rested her hand on my knee. Harvey, I'm a Texas girl. Murder isn't my style. I started to ask her what her style was, but they called my name to read my hurricane-driven noir poem. By the time I got back to my stool, she was gone. A fresh scotch sat on an unsigned check with enough zeros to make me happy. I had a case to work on and the promise of some companions for the threads in my closet. In the morning, despite a dull ache in my head, I was at the nearest non-flooded Harris County library when it opened. I figured with so many people lacking power, internet service, or having lost their computers like me, and at least four branch libraries closed indefinitely, computer access would be at a premium. I was right. Although I didn't feel great pushing my way past folks who might have had a rougher time than I did the past few days, I needed to verify what Olive had told me. And as much as I could think of that she'd failed to mention. After two hours, I understood her grandfather's reputation as a fair businessman was true, that early on, He'd brought his friend Jack Griswold into the business based upon a handshake and that after her grandfather's death, Griswold and Olive's dad expanded Twist into the company it was today. Articles and pictures found through a Google search depicted Olive and her mother as blue blood types. The kind who did charity work and attended debutante balls when they weren't busy being cheerleaders or marrying the team's football captain. Apparently, because Daniel Jones painted instead of playing football, a minimum of print space was devoted to his marriage to Olive. I flipped through a lot of microfiche. A few articles depicted Daniel's rise as an artist and Olive's steady growth as part of Twist's management team. I didn't find any mention of their divorce, or that either had remarried. 
but in later articles, another redhead, who I presumed was the bimbo, showed up in pictures from all of Daniel's openings. The picture captions made it clear she was his companion or date for the evening. The articles about Griswold were few and far between, but I knew from my one dealing with him that besides business, he loved art. Although I only learned about his painting stint from Olive, I was familiar with his extensive art collection. The job I'd done for him involved a title dispute for three paintings he donated to the local museum. The last article I pulled up was the one Olive had shown me in the bar. I magnified it so I could see the painting's every detail. Viewing it closer, I realized how amateurish the painting was, which made me wonder more why Daniel had hung it where he did. I also realized that while the waterline was below the painting, some of the flood water had lapped up onto it. There were places near the bottom where paint had flecked off. Deciding my next move needed a visit with a cop friend of mine, I gave Andy a call. We met for lunch at the Greasy Spoon near the station house. When I told the waitress it would be one check, and I'd take it, Andy grunted his thanks. It's not my birthday, so what's worth a free burger? A little information about a redhead. Shoot. Ever hear of Olive Twist? Who hasn't? She's pretty much the Twist conglomerate now that Jack Griswold has announced his impending retirement. Jack? What about her dad? I bit into my medium-rare cheeseburger. He's around a few days a week, but he's always been a weak sister. Shortly before old man Twist died, he gave Griswold a large enough piece of the action to make sure the company would survive. With him in there, it thrived. Honestly? Nah, but there wasn't anything we could ever prove. Olive's been his protege. You involved with her? She's easy on the eyes. You gonna eat that pickle? You can have it. I handed him my sour pickle. As for Olive, she's not my type. Her name came up in a conversation about Daniel Jones. That was a rotten loss for Houston. He was just coming into his own in the art world. Any idea who killed him? We already released info about a limb or debris hitting him. You know something we should know? Not a thing. The question raised is what's going to happen to his artwork? I understand there was quite a bit in his home, 
and I figure he probably had some in his studio. Will the redhead he's been seeing get it? No, he left a will. The art will go to his next of kin. Surviving children? None that we can find. Andy peered over his glasses at me. Everything goes to Olive Twist. From what we've pieced together, he never signed the divorce papers. They're still legally husband and wife. She can get the paintings anytime she wants. They aren't part of our investigation. How does that impact what you're working on? It doesn't. But from what I've seen of her... You'd better inventory each one, and make sure none are damaged. She's a stickler for things being just right. For the rest of lunch, although I listened as he talked about the flooding, rescues, and whatnot, I concentrated on my burger while planning what I wanted to say when I got to Olive's office after lunch. After a little sparring with my client's secretary, she finally let Olive know that I was standing in her outer office and didn't plan to leave until I saw her. When Olive told her to bring me right in, I could tell the gatekeeper was miffed. Too bad. I was too. Harvey, good to see you again. Won't you please sit down? She didn't rise but pointed toward a conversation area with a leather couch and two chairs. I'll stand. I took the check out of my jacket pocket and laid it on her desk. I think you need to sign this now. Without saying anything, she pulled a pen from the marble desk set sitting in the middle of her mahogany desk and signed her name with a flourish. She replaced the pen, handed me the check, and pushed her chair back to where I could clearly see her legs. She crossed them. Once again, we engaged in our game of silence. Again, I cracked first. How do you get around signing things as Olive Twist? when your married name is Jones. She pulled her skirt down and smoothed a wrinkle in it. I never changed my name, so thankfully that wasn't a legal problem. You see, for all these years, until Daniel came to me, I thought we were divorced. I had no idea he hadn't signed the papers. Most people get copies and put them away in case they need them in the future. Were your papers with the painting you thought was in your storage bin? In a sense, yes, Harvey. I left the country and was gone for eight months. It was a tough time for me emotionally and well, I did a stupid thing. I relied on others to make sure the divorce was taken care of and my life would be back the way it was when and if I chose to come home. I glanced around the office. There were no personal pictures of family members or pets. The decor was a deeper beige than the walls. I walked to the window and looked out. In the distance, 
I could see the park Olive said her grandfather had donated. It was beginning to make sense to me. You considered living abroad? Till I realized there was no need for me to stay away. Eight months is a long time. I waited, watching her stare at her hands. She wore no rings. It would have been enough time to begin a new life. But that didn't happen. She looked up at me. I resisted, wiping away the tears slithering down her cheek. A baby was stillborn. So you came home and made a different life for yourself. Yes. Until Daniel threatened to tell people the truth about you, your grandfather, and Jack. I took her silence for an affirmation. You went to Jack and told him what Daniel was threatening. Her head barely moved, but it was enough for me to put the final pieces together. The police know you were never divorced. Daniel left a will leaving you everything. You can retrieve anything you want, but there may be a problem with Jack's painting. The flood peeled off some layers of paint near the bottom of the painting. That's no big deal. Like I told you, with Grandfather gone and Uncle Jack aging, the painting reminds me of them when they were young. Call me sentimental. I pocketed the check. Me too. She didn't reply, but as I walked to her window, I imagined her Texas eyes followed me. You may need to use this view of the park to evoke those memories. By now, the police are checking out the picture underneath where the paint flecked. I'm pretty sure they're going to find Jack painted over the one your grandfather claimed was stolen. I understand, when it wasn't recovered, the insurance company paid off exactly the sum used to buy out the five homeowners. As for Daniel, like you said, Uncle Jack was a fixer. I left to cash my check, regretting I'd sworn off redheads. This reading of part two of Harvey and the Redhead was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Ham. You can learn more about the author on her website, DebraGoldstein.com. If you'd like to help us be able to continue to bring you more mystery fun, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash kingsriverlife. Even a dollar a month can make a difference. We also have some cool merchandise available on Redbubble, and you can make a one-time donation through PayPal. Check the show notes for the link and for the links to our websites and social media. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you don't miss a single episode. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter for bonus content. And if you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it, as this helps make us easier to find for others. Until next time, this is your announcer, wishing you a life full of mystery. Mystery.